Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Joining you tonight, it's Ian and Aria. There's a lot in the news right now about Russia pulling out, allegedly, from some sort of nuclear proliferation treaty called START. And according to the, you know, you have to be careful how you read these headlines and how you, uh, you know, take in this news because the technical terminology is suspend. So, like yeah. on on uh, on Drudge Report right now, there's a big picture of a missile shooting. And then, of course, there is fear sells, yeah, man. Yeah, and if then, there's anything COVID nineteen taught us is that people. Eat fear whole. Sure they do. love it. Yep. And that's, of course, uh, the government needs to have people in a fearful state because if you are uh, in a fearful state, then they expect you're going to look to them to protect you. And they, they yeah. you know, if, if people aren't afraid of something, a bi- some sort of boogeyman, whether it be terrorism or Russian missiles or free or staters, COVID or free staters or whatever, there has to be some sort of uh, big bad guy for them to be afraid of. And so right underneath the uh, the picture of the missile launching, it says, Putin suspends nuke treaty, warns of global war. How far will he go? So, of course, I you know didn't want to rely on the Western media to report on this particular topic. So Good I went, decision. St- went straight to the Russian media, uh, which, of course, is state controlled, just to get their uh, their perspective on it. Yeah, but if you're going to get lies from the government, at least... Russia Today is honest about it? And Actually, I'm not about going it. to Russia Today in this case. I'm using uh, TASS, which is a Russian, the Russian news agency, uh, T-A-S-S dot com. Because a lot of times, like, I'll go to, to RT, and they won't always have, like, the straight uh, report, or not the, like, the, uh, the, the translation of whatever Putin's speech was. Okay. And you can usually get that from like directly from the Kremlin or whatever. Uh, in this case, I did not read the translation of his speech. It's over almost two hours long. It's like an hour and a half or hour and forty five minutes long. So that's pretty extensive. He tends to be pretty long winded when uh, when he gives speeches, as many politicians tend yeah, to do. Yeah, but two hours, good lord, yeah, it's a long speech. That's, that's a dissertation. But uh, they do have a summary here from the Russian news agency TASS. And I just want to share the just the beginning portion because it has to do with the the I'm start just, tree. I, I'm still hung up on an hour forty five minutes because you know I, I've given speeches in before. front of an audience. Yeah, and I know how difficult it is to give you know a thirty minute speech. But if right. you're speaking for an hour and a half to two hours, <laughs> you're doing you're not reciting a memorized speech. You're speaking from the heart about something that you Maybe. genuinely believe at that point. I mean, it could have been a teleprompter. I don't know. Okay, okay, fair point. I forgot about. I did. Like I'm not being sarcastic. I did temporarily forget about the existence of teleprompters. That to does change fair, things. To be fair, I am looking at an image of the auditorium in which the speech was given, and there does not appear to be a teleprompter in front of him. Okay. Uh, but I haven't watched the actual speech. Like I mean, it's I certainly not impossible. You know, you get me a subject that I'm passionate about, and I can easily talk for two hours about it. Yeah, but sure. I'm not going to. Almost no one can memorize and recite a two-hour-long speech like that. No way. The responsibility for current events lies with the West, which is trying to pull away from Russia the historic territories which are called Ukraine today. It was them, the West, who unleashed the war, and we were and are using force to stop it, said the president. The that's West- such a weird way of looking at it. But, I mean, obviously that's their perspective, and I, I can't say their perspective is 
factually incorrect. That's not the way I view things. That's not what, the way I interpret the facts, but well, certainly. I mean, that's a valid. How point. do you interpret it if, if, again, from their perspective, Ukraine was bombing the Donbass, yep. which had voted in 2014 to leave Ukraine, and Ukraine didn't acknowledge their vote at the time, and then just started started attacking them, apparently, for seven years until finally uh, Russia decided to come to their defense. So Russia didn't see it as an invasion as much of a, we're trying to defend these people who wanted independence from the tyrants in Ukraine. Right. Yeah, I'm I, I'm not saying so, they're, they're clearly not factually incorrect. That's one interpretation yeah. of events, and you know... It's legitimate. Everyone's going to pick the interpretation they prefer, including the including Vladimir Putin, and that's just how it is. Everyone's got a different perspective on this, and that most Americans can't come to terms with that basic reality. We we all think of ourselves as the good guy. The United States is the good guy, and Russia is the evil guy. Well, yeah, okay, maybe, but from their point of view, they're the good guys, and we're right. the evil guys, and they they can't separate from their own egos enough to recognize that reality and to even recognize the validity of that viewpoint the hey i understand in your world i'm the bad guy well just remember it's not we who are the bad guys it's the u.s government it's nato it's the ukrainians or you know germans or these people the europeans who are sending weapons uh over to ukraine right now and uh, we're going to get into the potential consequences for sending these weapons over there. He addresses that coming up here in the next section here. So about the uh, the so-called special operation in Ukraine. I love that they're calling it that because they they probably didn't learn that from the United States, but it, we could very easily say they learned that nonsense from the United States. Don't because, call it a war. You yeah, because they never called the Afghanistan war a mm-hmm, war. Right. Or was it Iraq? Or was it Korea? Or Whatever one going all the way back, yeah. you know, to the end of World War Two, the, the conflict. Yeah, the United States, as far as I'm aware, has not actu- actually fought a war anywhere since, since World, World War Two. Not officially. It, it's all. They certainly haven't declared one. It's all no, and because declaring war is passing. If you declare war, then you have a goal, mm, and you can right. a- and you can achieve. You'd have to have that like goal. an ending. Yes. Like some sort of uh, requirement, right? That's why the whole war declaration thing went away, and that's it's not an accident that endless war came about once mm-hmm. people stopped declaring wars. Once the United States stopped, because it's a very clear endpoint. We're declaring war. Okay, victory is achieved when we destroy the enemy or when we destroy the enemy government. If you don't have a war. You never actually have a victory. So he said that the Western elites are seeking to inflict a strategic defeat on Russia. And, quote, are planning to turn a local conflict into a phase of global confrontation and that Moscow will react accordingly. The West cannot but realize that it, quote, is impossible to defeat Russia on the battlefield, said Putin. He warned that weapon supplies to Kiev will trigger consequences, quote, the longer the range of the Western systems being brought to Ukraine, the farther away from our borders we'll be forced to push the threat. He said, I mean, from a logical perspective, that makes sense. If you put, you know, if you're putting weapons into Ukraine that have a range of a thousand yards, I mean, a thousand miles, mm-hmm. then they have to push a thousand miles away from Moscow in order That's to keep you saying. from being able to strike Moscow. Right. That's silly. I mean, intercontinental ballistic missiles are a thing. And so 
the United States doesn't need weapons in Ukraine in order to attack Russia. They don't, but they are insisting on continuing to send billions and billions, and what was it, over $110 billion so far from the U.S. alone. Uh, that doesn't, I don't think, include the actual weapons and tanks no. and weapons systems and things like that. And I don't uh, want to discount these things, right? If, if my neighbors were sitting over there you know, pointing cannons and tanks and guns all at my house, I'd be a little anxious, too, even if I was like... Hey guys, uh, we're we're friends over here, right? We're mm. we're not enemies. I mean, they just keep amassing. Doesn't seem very friendly. Weapons out there. I'm like, all right, uh, I may have to do something about this, right? Like, put yeah. put your guns back a bit or whatever. We got Ridley on the line here. Dave Ridley, calling us from Colorado, I think. Go ahead, uh, Ridley. What's on your mind? Hey guys, uh, <clears throat> yeah, uh, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but LibertyBlock.com is reporting that I guess. Uh, a free stater senator. I didn't even know we had one. Keith Murphy, oh, apparently, wow. yeah. free state project member. Uh, free state project member is a senator. Correct. Now. First ever free stater uh, state senator. That happened in November. Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah. a big milestone for the free state project. And it happened. Uh, but they're reporting that it, the way that way I heard about it was because they're reporting that he is doing something interesting, and that is he's trying to. Uh, correct a sort of an innocent until proven guilty thing that the police do. So he and a few other Republican um, senators and or state reps have, a, have a proposed this thing called Senate Bill 246. Uh, and the idea is to like make it so they can't uh, ruin your reputation just because you're a suspect or you're accused of a crime. Hmm. How, do they, how would that be? So the, the, the meat of the bill is that it it restricts their use of your mugshot, right? It's like once you've been arrested, they don't just they don't get to throw your mugshot around and say, "Ha, ah, we have the the criminal." You know, um, hmm. it's just to be used for investigative purposes, and they're not supposed to they're not supposed to use it like on social media and stuff like that. I mean, I suppose that's good, but I I don't I don't think it's going to do a whole lot for the cause of liberty, and I don't think. I mean, just about everyone I know, not even libertarians, but just about everyone I've ever met in my life has been arrested at some point. And the fact that they have a mugshot doesn't really seem to bother anyone in one way or the other. There are, there are entire catalogs, especially in Mississippi, that were just collections of people's mugshots and what they were arrested for. And it was entertaining to look at and say, hey, I knew that person. I knew that person. Well, from a freedom of speech and freedom of the media perspective, I have to object uh, to this, if there's somebody who's been arrested for something as a member of the media, if I'm trying to report on that arrest, I want to be able to get all the information I can. I should be able to get the information about the arrest, who the arresting officer was, who, you know, what are the details of the, the situation, and I should be able to get a copy of that mugshot. I don't think this is going to hold up. Yeah, good point. The, the, the actual wording is it says, quote, post arrest photographs of arrested persons taken by a law enforcement officer shall be considered records compiled for investigatory purposes and shall not be considered governmental records subject to disclosure, unquote. Oh, so no, this is, a, this is going to give the government more secrecy. This is going to allow them to take pictures that are no longer official, subject to being official public record, and they're just... Yeah, we can we can't disclose that. That's an active that's an ongoing investigation. Yeah, I mean it sounds right. like they're only going to be restricting the pictures but not the information. So I'm not really sure how much good this is going to do. I don't know why having a mugshot out there 
or not is going to really make a difference when the person's name and accusations against them are still going to be available. Hopefully, Alu of Liberty Block is out there listening and he can call in and explain. Yeah, that would be nice because uh, this is confusing to me. It, it seems like this is not in any way pro-liberty at all. This is, like you said, Arya, going to grant more secrecy to the police. Yeah, the freedom of media perspective well, that you pointed out, that that immediately says so. I wouldn't have thought about that, but that says off alarms. But then the way that it's worded, it just allows them to have more secrecy, and it, it doesn't sound pro-liberty at all. As with so many other things, it, it, my concern with it is that it's just yet another sort of branch hacking Sort of bill in a sense. Yeah. Um, there's just so many bills that are just they they have such a small effect. There there are a thousand right. hacking at the branches for every one striking at the root. And, and Matt Sanchez's bill is so much more interesting, where it just shuts down the whole war on drugs and yes. goes kind of to the root of the problem. Yeah, that's what we need more of. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of these politicians are just not willing to to play with their quote unquote political capital. And they're just too afraid to take a principled stand, unfortunately. Yeah, but that's not Matt Santanastasso, man. That dude is hardcore. He's ballsy. Super ballsy. It's an honor to know him, man. They've been indoctrinated by the government school system that they were forced to go to and then forced to uh, worship, like as an icon, worship this flag. It's idolatry. Yeah, absolutely it is. And most Christians are completely unaware of this. You know, they, they say it's wrong to be idolatrous. Right, you know, but then they do it, and then they do it every single day in the government schools, and whenever there's you know a national anthem at a, a football or a baseball game or something like that, they're all about the the idolatry of the American flag. It doesn't matter the history of the flag; we can point out the history of the uh, the ple- the Pledge of Allegiance written by a s- actual socialist in the late 1800s. Uh, yeah, of course we, not. We can point out the original salute to the flag, which was the fascist. Uh, salute, which became the Nazi salute with a hand to the heart and then straight out. There's photographs of that. Yeah, but uh, none of that matters to them because it's not no, about any of it that, right? It, yeah. You can point out all the contradictions in the Bible you want to the average Christian, and it's it not going matter. to affect them at all. You can yeah. point out anything you want to people. They don't really care because uh, I realized this when I was watching the secession video, the secession episode of the Free State thing at NBC Boston. NBC Boston, yes, yeah. thank you. I, where Brody Deshay, uh, the state rep who was most adamant against CACR 32, that was the constitutional amendment to allow the people of New Hampshire to vote on the idea of peaceably this, the, uh, seceding from the United States. Mm-hmm. He, he spoke with such passion, fiery passion. You about, mean at the hearing? Yeah, yeah, about how just, no, about at the actual uh, vote, voting of the bill. He didn't, right, say, okay. he didn't say this in the hearing about how just disgraceful and disgusting it was that people were even considering erasing one of those stars <laughs> from that flag. And just right. the the importance of this stupid symbol to him mm-hmm. was just – I was doing my makeup as I was watching this and just stunned by – this dude really cares about this stupid thing. Sure. Like this this is a piece of art, a pretty boring piece of art. Mm-hmm. And nothing more. But to th- this guy, he would lay down his life for that. A lot of people would. Yeah. yeah. It, it and, has and he, a lot of meaning to people. Not even to save anything or to do anything good for anyone. Just to keep one of those stupid stars from being erased from mm-hmm. it. He would have given his life. And I'm convinced he probably still would. That's to be clear, that's He's not a obviously a threat on his life. Obviously, it's not. <laughs> I would not uh, bet on him giving his life for it. He's a politician. He's, uh, a, you he's know, got that. They're pa- dishonest. I don't know, man. 
he he's, he's pandering with, to it. That's all. I think most people would be willing if they're okay. Maybe not give their lives because I think more people are cowardly than that. They get really emotional about it though, and they right. will. And some people, some people will start a fight over it. I mean, if you, for instance, were to go in public and burn an American flag, there's a good chance somebody's going to come up and attack you over it. I've done I mean, that a couple of times. How do you really? Yeah, not uh, in a very long time, but. I see. If, it's always been recognized as an expression of freedom of speech. I did it a few times in the South. That won't stop people from attacking you over it, even it, though it is it an expression that, well, of free they, speech. They had other reasons for which they would have attacked me, certainly. Mm-hmm. But it, that was just, oh, that's Aria being Aria. I wasn't called Aria then. But no, right. one, no one was surprised by my antics or shenanigans. So mm-hmm. it was, and it was a small town about the size of Keene. So I knew everyone and everyone knew me. So no one was really surprised by it. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, it, it did happen years ago here in Keene. Uh, a guy named Anarcho Jesse did a public flag burning. And I kind of liked how he handled it because he burned three flags instead of just the U.S. flag. He burned the U.N. flag, a U.S. Awesome. flag, and a New Hampshire flag. So sort of like all levels of statism. I thought that Very was a nice. nice. I thought it was a nice twist to it. And Is there a Keene flag that we can also burn? No, I don't think so. Okay. Keene does have a like a symbol or whatever, a seal, but I don't think I don't know if it's appeared on a flag. Uh, but uh, but he did that, and a lot of us were predicting dire consequences for him, right? Because you know you never know what kind of Looney Tunes uh, nut job in downtown Keene is going to decide to just come on up and start something. Uh, whether it's because they're high on drugs or drunk or just an angry person, there's always they are that, everywhere. Yeah, there's always that possibility. Thankfully, that, that didn't happen. Uh, I don't even think there was really any hecklers or anything like that that were there for it so it was it, it was pretty unremarkable as far as the turnout uh, as far as the opposition was concerned but you well, never good. really know because people get really emotional about it i mean they've been so well then let them attack their gam gam because she's wiping her potato salad off with an american flag napkin or whatever so since we were talking about the united states and independence these ideas i do want to uh, give a little bit of an update on the greater idaho Movement, according to KATU.com, ABC News Out West, uh, Portland, Oregon, House members in the Idaho legislature have now voted in favor of the Greater Idaho Movement this past week. Which body did it specify? Idaho's legislature, House members, so the House of Representatives. It means that the Idaho reps would like to begin talks about relocating the Oregon-Idaho border, which is something that many people in eastern Oregon have actually been waiting for. The Greater Idaho Movement proposes that nearly everything east of the Cascades, except Bend, becomes part of Idaho. Currently, there are 11 Oregon counties supporting the move. So when we last talked about this, I think it was after the election in 2022, because some of the counties in eastern Oregon that hadn't yet voted on this did vote. So there are actually, so like there's movement on both sides on this. It's the counties that are the east side of Oregon. They have put on, I believe, uh, ballots in the counties of each county individually as to whether or not they would like to investigate moving to Idaho. I don't think the, the, the ballot measures have been specifically, we are leaving. I think it's like, we're looking into leaving kind of ballot questions and so that's where they're at right now. There's several counties east in East Oregon, a bunch of, say, 11 here, that have made votes in this direction. Like, we want to look into this. We're serious about it. We're, we're, t- we're ordering our county, you know, what are they called, selectmen or representatives or, you know, city councilors, yeah. uh, county councilors to, uh, to look into this. And so on the other side of it now, you've got the Idaho State House that apparently also voted 
uh, in favor of moving this thing forward. I can't imagine that the state that's losing counties here is going to, you know, be okay with this. Um, I think there's an argument as to why. And I don't have the Greater Idaho website pulled up the last time we talked about it. I did. And so, as I recall, the argument is basically that the eastern counties in Oregon are conservatives. Okay? So, the western counties, the ones, you know, near the coast, Portland especially, more likely to be liberal. And so, the idea is that... If you separate out the conservative counties from Oregon, Oregon will become more of a liberal state than it already is because they won't have to be fighting with the conservatives anymore. Those people will be gone. Right, but it it cuts away at the power structure of the power-hungry tyrants in the Idaho State House or the Oregon State House, rather. Well, I get what you're saying. Because they have fewer people to rule over and fewer tax money and— that's true. I don't know what the eastern portion of Oregon represents as far as the tax money. There's certainly nowhere near as many people that live out there. I mean, it's basically the woods, right? Compared That's usually to, the case with conservatives versus liberal yeah, territories. So, so I think, and again, it would be interesting to see the numbers, but I suspect it would still be the bulk of the revenue is still coming from those western counties. So yes, you're right. They wouldn't be able to lord power over the eastern counties anymore, so they would lose that. But at the same time, they would be able to get away with even more like liberal socialist kind of programs if they didn't have to constantly be fighting with the people from eastern Oregon. So there's an argument for this, whether it will, you know... Well, I'm all for it either fly. way. I mean, if that's what the people want to do, then let them do it, right? And yeah. it, it sort of sets a... It doesn't set a precedent as far as secession from the federal government. but no, it, does, it has nothing it, to do with that. No, but it does set some sort of precedent about separating from one state. Correct. And, and I think that's beneficial. Yeah, if it gets a conversation started, then I think it's great. I, I believe that it would require some sort of federal okay, meaning that if both houses uh, or if both uh, legislatures in both states say, this is fine. We're, you know, go ahead, say goodbye, uh, Eastern Oregon. You're now part of Idaho. We all agree. If all of the, you know, yeah. sides agree, I think it still has to go to the federal government for some sort of sign off on the actual moving of the state borders. We discussed this Operation Choke Point 2.0 briefly last week. Who uh, named it that? Um, I don't think it's an official name. It's what this uh, guy Nick Carter, uh, okay. writer at a substack called pirate wires has called this but the uh the choke point 1.0 was where they were cracking down and during the obama administration on uh like people that were doing sex related businesses porn producers uh people yeah. like that also gun uh, gun shops gun manufacturers things like that these were being essentially denied bank accounts banks were shutting down their accounts even though they're completely legal businesses they were just basically being told by the government, hey, look, we're going to make life difficult on you if you don't shut down these accounts. And now we're seeing similar things happening with the cryptocurrency industry where bankers right. have been told in recent weeks that, yeah, it's not illegal to have accounts for cryptocurrency companies or crypto exchanges or whatever. But we don't look kindly upon it here at the 
federal government, the Federal Reserve, the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, these different uh, FDIC, the different regulatory agencies of the banking industry. So the, the, the banks are basically on notice. And, of course, many of the banks have been hostile towards crypto uh, from the beginning. But those banks well, that, competition. Right. But those banks that actually didn't see crypto as competition but might have seen it as a new service to offer their customers because they were like, I don't know, not completely closed-minded as far as banks go – well, they've been given a spanking recently, essentially, by the federal government and told, you better stop doing this. We, we're not going to say what's going to happen to you, but something bad may just happen to you if you keep messing with this crypto stuff. That tends to be so. how it goes with the federal government. I mean, we, we've seen it a lot with the SEC in recent years where they, they, they don't tell you what you're supposed to do or what you're not allowed to do or how know. you're supposed to do it. And they won't really tell you what the punishment is for not doing for doing what they didn't tell you that you couldn't do but they're going to do something bad yep and you can look at what they are doing which is the sec is going after stable coins now they've already gone after our friends over at library and they won the case against library that has yet to still be uh quote unquote settled as far as what the punishment is going to be doled out but ultimately library is not going to survive this because they're completely out of funds and well, this bankrupted them. Yeah, the government got what it wanted. Right. And so that's not quite over, quote unquote, yet, but it is essentially going to be over within a matter of months. I just hope it remain. It is the case that the SEC is not allowed to go after Odyssey at the same that's time. That's what we're waiting. We're waiting to right. see if the other shoe is going to drop on that or not. Uh, so we'll keep to keep you up to date on that as it develops. Then the SEC announced that they were going to get $30 million from Kraken a couple of weeks ago because Kraken was offering their customers staking services. And now that's been determined to be a quote-unquote security. For the, whatever reason. Yep. Uh, and then they... I uh, thought it was a service that they were offering. It sounded to me like a service and not a sure product, did. but okay. Yep. And then uh, the SEC now going after Paxos and Binance uh, for having a stable coin called oh, Binance right, yeah. USD, and they basically have been told by the their partners in the New York regulatory, whatever the hell they're called, the you know Department of Regulation or Finance right, Financial Regulation, uh, has gone after them and has said you must halt uh, issuing any further Binance USD. So there will never be more Binance USD issued, uh, at least if it's done within the United States. And at this point, I believe there was also further news that Binance is going to uh, end their partnership with Paxos. Uh, wow. At this point, Binance is also considering withdrawing from the United States entirely. I've always thought it was weird that Binance and Paxos were, like, partnered together anyway because they, they're they competitors, aren't they? They are as far as being a Bitcoin exchange. Okay. But Paxos is kind of a real basic exchange. They only have, like, Bitcoin, Bitcoin right. Cash, and Litecoin. So. They're not really a serious competitor to uh, to Binance. Binance is a huge international the largest exchange in yeah. the world, right? Yeah, and they've got you know zillions of of different types of coins on there. When you are withdrawing from your bank account to Cash App, I don't think it's going to. In- I don't think it's going to tell the bank this is for Bitcoin. You just no, withdraw. It you transfer to Cash App and, and then, then you buy use, the Bitcoin, yeah. right? So they don't know that you're buying Bitcoin with this. Well, so they're just banning people from using money uh, it, on Cash App? It doesn't seem so. Uh, they seem to have some sort of way of knowing, and I don't know what that way is, but uh, they do seem to 
know that the person was attempting or wanted to buy Bitcoin with the money. Maybe they had some sort of history with Bitcoin. I don't that know. That could be. Yeah, because I thought when you first told me about this story, the way you made it sound was that they were targeting Bitcoiners specifically, like that they knew that this person was a Bitcoiner, that they had some information that this well, individual. That's, that's probably true with some of them, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're regularly withdrawing money to cash app or whatever, and they look on your Twitter and they see you talking about Bitcoin, that that's all would, they need. Yeah, yeah, that would suggest it's enough for them. Right. In both of our cases, it's the bank preventing Bitcoin uh, purchases, mm-hmm. all under the guise of fraud protection. Or guys? Guys. Yeah. No, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Chase still allows ACH Bitcoin purchases, and fiat on Cash App can be used for investing in stocks. So... Chase still allows ACH Bitcoin purchases. Presumably they mean through an exchange that facilitates that, like Coinbase or whatever. It doesn't say exactly what Mm -hmm. they mean. And fiat on Cash App can still be used for investing in stocks. I didn't know that. Uh, Yeah, it's a newer thing, I think, on Cash App is a stock buying option. Yeah, something similar to what Robinhood used to do, Mm -hmm. I suppose. I think they're competing with Robinhood. Uh, saving or using cash apps on debit card, not just Bitcoin. So right. they're block if you're associated with Bitcoin, they're blocking your access to cash app entirely, it would seem. Because they it's don't crazy. know whether you're sending the money there to buy stocks or right. use the debit card or whatever. And having used the cash app debit card, it was actually pretty convenient itself. It was really yeah, easy it's to a fine debit card. Yeah. Also, no one seems to know exactly when this became Chase's policy. The fraud representative I spoke with wasn't sure and couldn't point to any documentation, but reasoned that the rule has been in place since early last year. What's the rule? It, it, they, didn't, they couldn't point to any yeah. particular rule. <laughs> he just said it's been in place, man. Listen, we're doing this. We don't know why we're doing it, but we are doing it. I'm sure of that. Yet murkier still, loose chatter can be found on Reddit about this issue going back to at least April of 2021. Mm-hmm. A little over a month after the Crypto 6 raid. Mm. However, given that I and so many others were definitely buying Bitcoin via Chase Debit throughout 2021 and 2022, I'd wager that this policy... Oh, okay. Sorry. I now just made the connection. So they were trying to use their debit card to load onto uh, Cash App. When he was saying that ACH still works... He's saying you can still use the ACH method to load money onto Cash App. So it sounds like what he's saying is is that Chase is only blocking debit card loads, meaning that okay. like on Cash App. Well, this may be because of Visa and Mastercard then, rather than because of mm, Chase. Yeah, that's also a possibility. Because the the yeah, it would be up to Visa or Mastercard mm-hmm. to block this sort of thing. I would I imagine. Think you're right. I mean, it could be either one, but yeah, yeah, that could explain why it would be blocked on the card, but not blocked through ACH. So he's wagering that the policy has only been exercised haphazardly, selectively, arbitrarily, mm-hmm. and I would suggest that's probably still the case. You just happen to finally be one of the people who've been caught up yep. in it. Dark patterns abound, but for now, it seems like I just happen to be one of the unlucky ones. That said, there's nothing preventing this type of policy from being enforced broadly and in earnest by one or many or all banks. Well, there are uh, banks doing this, at least in the U.K. I haven't heard a lot in the U.S. about this yet, but there are banks like Santander Bank in the U.K. that have announced they will not process outgoing wire transfers to Bitcoin exchanges. Really? Yep. I didn't know you Santander cannot. was a U.K. bank. Uh, they're an international bank. I think okay. they're based in Spain, ultimately, but I could be wrong about that. They and are they won't allow bank. people to send out wire transfers to that's crypto That's my understanding. Wow. Uh, at least in the U.K. I'm not sure if that's a, you know international policy for them or just U.K.-based. 
if banks feel threatened by Bitcoin, we're going to see more of these kinds of practices going forward. Count on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's time to get proactive. We should expect this and prepare for it. So rather than railing against banks, I want to use this as a learning experience to reflect on the importance of permissionless non-KYC Bitcoin Mm -hmm. and the practical actions we can take to advance the cause. Number one, bank with backups and remember local options. Banking is a service, not servitude. Treat it as such. I wish he was a little more clear with that. It sounds nice, but I don't know what he means. Maintaining accounts at multiple banks may provide some limited fault tolerance against banks that take a hostile stance toward Bitcoin, assuming it does not become the industry norm. Mm -hmm. For Cash App and services like it, consider first loading in fiat and making buys out of the app's native cash balance instead of purchasing directly through a linked, linked bank account where information is shared with the bank that allows it to flag the transaction for being related to Bitcoin. So you were absolutely oh, right. Oh, okay. He had his debit card with his bank tied to Cash App, and so he the, was trying to directly buy from it instead of transferring the money to Cash App oh, first. Oh, okay. So the debit card must have had some sort of yeah. some sort of data, metadata or whatever, that, that transaction where it mentioned Bitcoin and the, the bank flagged it. Yeah. I mean, that that's, that's silly on that's, this person's part. Yeah. It, it's... Lazy. Shocking that someone who's a writer for Bitcoin magazine could make such a silly. Oh, you don't know goof. until you know. I mean, it, yeah, but you, but that's like it might have worked before and then all of a sudden stopped working. Whether it worked or not, it's advertising to the bank mm-hmm. the enemy yeah. that you're buying Bitcoin. Right. And I don't understand. It's not going to work with Chase. Yeah. If it works now, it isn't going to work forever. I don't understand why he was even bothering to do it this way in the first place. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Taking this small step may help to avoid gatekeeping and can provide some minor privacy from the bank, at least. And yeah, yeah, that's okay. I I don't understand why he wouldn't just default to that, but okay. Number three, become comfortable with non KYC Bitcoin exchanges. So evidently they do exist. Just as many pre coiners. No, they don't. Well, he seems to suggest they do. There's only the exchanges. There's only the exchanges that you can uh, convert crypto to crypto. Maybe. I don't know what non-KYC exchanges allow you to actually send a wire transfer in. Well, he's got BISC, B-I-S-K. Uh, there's That's a decentralized exchange. RoboSats. And that one I've never heard HODL, of. HODL, Okay. I think HODL, HODL is a local Bitcoins competitor, if I recall correctly. The one, the middle one I'm not familiar with. And BISC is uh, the first kind of quote-unquote decentralized exchange. BISC. Um, but that's crypto to crypto. Mm, no, they actually do have a category there for, at least as of the last time I used it, okay. which was like three years ago. Uh, the category that they have there on BISC was a uh, cash deposit category, and I was scared to death to use this as somebody who was a you know a, a regular Bitcoin seller on local Bitcoins because there was no, uh, if I recall correctly, I looked into it. Number one, there was very poor volume. There was hardly anyone using it at the time. So I, sure. I don't know if that's if that's gotten better or not. Like the whole volume of the entire exchange was very low, and the category of buying with cash was even lower. Like hardly any. I can imagine hardly any offers. Hardly anybody was using it. But um, the real problem with that exchange was that there was there was no uh, because it's decentralized, so there's no central provider. There was no escrow. And that means it is like wide open to to scam artists because at least with the local bitcoins you have the escrow service 
of local Bitcoins or Agora Desk or whatever it is we're talking about here, right. where there is still a centralized provider, they hold the Bitcoin into escrow, and if one side or the other is acting suspicious in some way, you can flag the transaction, it goes to the administrator, and then they come in and they look at the evidence and they say, oh, yep, suspicious, reverse the transaction or, or whatever. You have a third party who can come in and make a decision I didn't see anything like that with uh, with BISC when I looked at it a few years ago. It, it just seemed like this was total scam playground, basically. It seemed I can really imagine. dangerous. And as a seller, that's a really interesting take. I would expect the buyer to be more suspicious than any, anyone because mm-hmm. the seller hasn't proved that they have the Bitcoin at that point. Yeah, that's probably true as well. Yeah. I don't know. It just so I never actually those. tried it. It just looked really uh, yeah. shifty to me. But they are allegedly permissionless channels. I'm not recommending I'd stay them. A hell, I'd I, stay the hell away from BISC if I were a new a new buyer. Yeah, I've never used any of them. I can't vouch for them. But permissionless Bitcoin is certainly a good thing. For anyone just getting started, BTC Sessions has excellent video tutorial content on all three, which are linked. And they are linked here to Bitcoin Magazine. I can't link it to you here. Well, I can put it on our social. So that, check that okay. out at social.freetalklive.com. You, I think, are on to something, Aria, where it may not actually be Chase that's doing it as much as it is Visa or MasterCard. The people that are, you know, their logos are on the debit cards, the the people that are, you know, providing that service. Well, we've heard about this in the past with uh, some of them, haven't we? I, I seem to think so. Well, we know that Visa and MasterCard are critical towards uh, towards cryptocurrency. Historically, they have been. They, well, on- yeah, as a pay, as I mean... As- Bitcoin competes with a lot of banking industry things, but as far as direct, obvious competitors, Bitcoin and Visa, Master Bitcoin's an obvious competitor to debit cards. It is, which is probably one reason why MasterCard invested in the digital currency group, which then subsequently paid the Bitcoin programmers to essentially cripple Bitcoin as a payments platform. Yeah. Uh, and then Visa, I think there's been some announcements that they want to in- integrate crypto or whatever and, and allow that to be used as payments. I don't know if that's ever become any kind of thing. So, like, on one hand, they talk about how they're interested in the technology, no, but on the other hand, they act to try to restrict it. Yeah, they, they want to restrict it. They're hoping that the technology dies and then the, yeah. just sort of fades away and they never have to actually do anything about it. And I don't know how to explain this to them. It's not dying. It hasn't died. It's not going to die. No, it's not going to die, but it is under severe restrictions. Library, uh, which is a company that has been targeted by the SEC, and the SEC defeated them in a uh, district court battle that has lasted for years here in New Hampshire, the federal court level, uh, where they have not yet been completely obliterated. They still are able to post to their Twitter account, and they posted earlier today. Will they lose their Twitter account, or would that just sort of... What? I suspect the Twitter account will continue. They could okay. probably just hand that over to you know somebody else. That's not the company, right? Right. Like it's just but it's a company asset. Yeah, yeah, probably not one that's worth any money. But no, I don't think it's worth. I mean, it probably isn't worth that much. Although they do have uh, one hundred ten thousand followers. That's, that's not terrible. But uh, they tweeted this today. I think it's relevant to the conversation that we're having here. They said, "How can a normal person?" easily get $100 worth of cryptocurrency anonymously today, in person or online. When crypto answers this, it takes over the world. If it can't, and it hasn't, it will remain niche. As long as you're not setting up, like, 
a hundred crypto miners, you're probably not going to trip any kind of alert system at the power company or whatever. Yeah. You know, if your power bill's going up 20%, it's not going to be a big deal. But if it goes up 200%, then maybe you'll attract some attention. But they're not looking there. You know, they're right. not look, the feds or the the cops or whatever they're not looking for crypto miners yet. well there's absolutely not nothing yet. illegal or even shady about crypto mining no i think they would have a really tough time with that although I, that was my prediction is that the sec may go after crypto miners next if the sec can get away with claiming that staking is somehow a quote-unquote security and for listeners that don't know staking is sort of the other alternative to doing crypto mining uh, i've always been a big fan of proof of stake I mean, it, some people hate it. Some people think it's fine. Uh, some people are big fans of it. I don't really care. I think it's I think it's fine, right? Like, it, yeah. is it really worth doing? Uh, I, I don't know. Some people want to do it fine. I, uh, anyway, my, the point about it is, if they can say that it is a security, then why can't they say mining is a security, too? I don't know. Because they, they could just seem... They probably same, will. Right. It just seems like they're just saying everything's a security. If they can say that a stable coin is a security... A stablecoin that doesn't specifically doesn't change in value. Correct. The point of the stablecoin is that it stays "quote unquote" stable. In that one U.S. dollar stablecoin is always worth one U.S. dollar in theory. Uh, you know there can be slight variations like po- one point well, zero 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 one. Sometimes they just collapse like uh, Terra. Terra did. Yeah, but if they can get away with that and say that Binance USD which is with the third most popular stablecoin on the planet, is a quote-unquote security, then they can say anything is a security, and then therefore they can say crypto mining is a security because you're getting into it knowing you're going to bring more money in or something like that, and so therefore it's a security, and you didn't register with the SEC, so now we're going to ruin you financially or possibly put you in prison because the SEC can bring criminal charges from what I understand as well. They just haven't been. They've been going after companies for the money. Well, that's nice and evil of them yeah. simultaneously, I guess. So it's ugly. It is really ugly out there. You know, since you mentioned uh, the, what was it, Terra, mm-hmm. UST, which was for a time actually, I think, bigger than Binance USD. Yeah, they were doing really well for a while, right right up until they weren't. And, I mean, it went downhill quickly with Terra. Yeah, it was a disaster uh, where this the world's most popular, what they call decentralized or algorithmic stablecoin, meaning that UST was not actually backed by dollars. It was backed by its own token, which was called Luna. And I don't want to get into how it ostensibly worked, because ultimately it didn't work. Uh, it got crushed it by... It did for a time. It did for a few years. And then what apparently happened, the story behind the scenes uh, allegedly was that the guy from FTX, SBF, that guy that was running FTX, he destroyed UST. The SEC alleges that Quan marketed the assets, including uh, as a profit-bearing securities, quote-unquote, repeatedly claiming the tokens would increase in value. SEC's enforcement director said in a statement, quote, Today's action not only holds the defendants accountable for their roles in Terra's collapse, which devastated both retail and institutional investors and sent shockwaves through the crypto markets, but once again highlights that we look to the economic realities of an offering, not the labels put on it, he said. And uh, by the way, Joe Kwan's whereabouts are currently unknown, but the Terra co-founder was recently believed to be in Serbia, according to South Korean intelligence, Kwan is wanted in South Korea for his involvement 
in the collapse of Terra USD. So dude's on the run. Jesus uh, Christ. He all he tried to do was create a product for people to use. Yeah, and it failed, but but not because he wanted it to. Yeah, I don't believe that this man was scamming anyone. No. I uh, don't believe that for a moment. Uh, he truly did believe in this thing. It did work for a time. And then someone with the economic weight to crush this thing, SBF from the FTX exchange, ostensibly was able to successfully destroy this thing. And yet he is not being blamed. But this. that just highlights, you know, problems in the technology, in the algorithm that could be fixed. Right. And you know, when you're getting into cryptocurrency, that you're taking a risk. Yeah. You know that when you get into something called an algorithmic stablecoin, that there's a chance that the algorithm isn't going to work, that some sort of bug is in the programming or they didn't foresee a certain set of circumstances that would cause this thing to fail. And you un- you should understand that. And I understand there's some people out there that may have been misled by others in the industry into buying a thing, but this guy was never dishonest in my seeing of the things that he said no. that of what you're getting into. And I you saw know? something similar happen to this with heli- happened like this with helium, which was H E L E U M, I think, where it was this algorithm that would automatically use your uphold account to transfer money across different fiats and cryptocurrencies in order to make you a profit, right? If if Hopefully. Litecoin was down, it would buy Litecoin. If Litecoin was up, it would, you know, sell it and get you back into USD or whatever. That's mm-hmm. the basic idea of it. And it would do this automatically. However, Bitcoin gold began going down, and the algorithm said, oh, it's going down, buy it. And oh, it no. kept going down, and the algorithm said, buy more, oh, and God. buy more, and buy more. And pe- everyone who used it, their, all their uphold money was just sunk into Bitcoin gold, which just, just kept, kept going, going down. down. Oh, Tragic. Man. But that was the algorithm doing exactly what the algorithm was told to do. So, hey, improved the algorithm, and that never happened again. Go ahead, Sarah. You're pretty. You're sounding pretty chipper for looking at 25 years in jail. In oh, it's only 20 I mean, years. <laughs> it's only the next two oh decades of my life. Yeah. Oh, you're not. You're not stressed at all. I mean, you're oh no, no, it, it does keep me up at night, and uh, on some nights, it is uh, difficult to to get to sleep with all the thoughts that uh, that go through uh, my head. But I mean, it doesn't do me any good to be all depressed about it or whatever. I got to keep on doing what I can do uh, to yep. be here on the outside and, and try to help my friends and family and, you know, do whatever I can. So no, I, I don't, um, I try not to let it get to me and it's not over yet. Like there's still a sentencing to go through and it could be bad, could be not so bad. Who knows how that's gonna, how that's gonna end up. I know it's, it's stressing the hell out of you, Aria. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I, I would really like to get my sentencing done. I yeah. mean, I would have liked to have gotten it done back in December. I mean, I wanted that hearing date. And yeah. then it got pushed back. And it's it, frustrating. Yeah. Whether and, it's a light at the end of the tunnel or not, it would at least be the end of the tunnel, and you would at least then know what you're dealing with. Right. Right now, it's I mean, wow. no idea. It's it's borderline unbearable. It, it puts your life in a holding pattern where you can't make long-term plans because I just don't know right. if I'm going to be mm-hmm. here three months from now. Right. Right. And mm-hmm. I have I, most people, you know, that's true in some philosophical sense. Well, I might be dead tomorrow. OK, that's fine. But I might literally not be here three months from now. Mm-hmm. I might be in a federal prison. 
I can't plan anything that goes beyond that date because I don't know what's going to happen. So my entire world, anything I would want to do, like get involved in relationships or whatever, is just permanently put on hold and left in this limbo where I'm white knuckling and trying not to go crazy because I have this thing hanging over me and no idea when it's going to end or what is going to actually happen when it comes to an end. And this has been our life for the last two years. Yeah. Oh, we have wow. not been able to do anything. This is this is typical, though, of anyone who's facing any kind of criminal uh, charges. You can't build something new under a circumstance. You, know, you can't open a new business or whatever. You can't take a new turn in life uh, because you don't know what's coming. The, the axe can drop mm. on you at any moment, and uh, it's really frustrating. But why were you calling tonight, Sarah? Oh, I was going to let you guys know um, that, you know, the— Albuquerque will be getting more speeding cameras here. Like we're looking at ten more, and the the county they're going to be putting up speeding cameras too. So I just I why just should I care? You. Well, I know you don't care, but I care. And all the people that got their loved ones killed on the traffic fatalities, we care. Why should anyone so not I, in Albuquerque care? About these stupid traffic cameras in Albuquerque, Sarah. Yeah, it's really your worst topic, Sarah. Well, I mean, it might be the worst topic, but I'm, this is the best topic for me because I've been working well, on this forever. And we're so really call a radio station in Albuquerque. Yes, uh, this is Jim in Daytona Beach. Jim, you're on the air. Go um, ahead. Yeah, I was curious. Isn't it the case, uh, Ian, that you changed your name at some point to Ian Freeman? I sure did, yeah. So that wasn't always your name. Um, That's Bur- correct. Well, just a thought, you know, and... Uh, being a little bit lighthearted, but you may want to consider another name change, possibly Hunter Biden or Sam Bakeman Freed, as far as being able to, uh, you know, get out of that sentence that's coming. Well, that's fun, uh, but no, I don't think that would. Uh, I don't think that's going to fool the uh, the people that are prosecuting me. It usually, when you change your name, you uh, you know, you still have evidence of the old names that you have, and you're still responsible for all of the things that you did under those old names. So just just being a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate yeah. where you're coming from on that, uh, but it doesn't work that way. Yeah. So so as frustrated as you are about uh, the government and, and all that they're doing, is part of your frustration when you see how Sam Bankman Freed has been treated compared to other people in the crypto world, uh, you know, this, this whole idea of uneven justice to me uh, seems to be the most outrageous uh, part of the justice system. Well, I, I, uh, I, as I understand it, Sam Bankman Freed is on home detention. Uh, he does have some, res- you know, restrictions on what he can and can't do. I did see an article that he possibly has violated his bail conditions uh, by using a VPN to watch a football game or something like that. So, you know, he may be seeing some sort of modification in his bail as a result of that. I mean, it's by no means a Sam Bankman f- uh, fraud on any kind of light bail conditions. He is he is out under pretty severe bail conditions with a $250 million uh, bond. So, I mean, I'm I'm not going to say that uh, you know things are easy for him. In, but uh, didn't in the uh, Crypto Six get held for like many many weeks, where this guy only was held for a handful of days? He was held longer than I was. Well, that's true. You got released same day, Arya, and four out of the uh, six was were released on the same day. Myself and nobody were held. Nobody was held for six months, uh, wrongfully, in my opinion. 
And oh, unconstitutionally, yeah. the judge ultimately said. Yeah, and but he won't see any kind of. Uh, there's not going to be any kind of like restitution for that. That's just right. that became part of his sentence. And in my case, I was held for 69 days. And again, not in the right, in my opinion, but it's what happened. So, uh, yeah, I guess you could look at it from from that perspective. But certainly somebody who lines the pockets of politicians is likely going to get a different yeah, treatment. He was the uh, second largest donor to Biden, mm-hmm. uh, multiple White House visits. His parents are former law professors at Stanford. Yes. Uh, there was an article this last week that uh, one of the individuals that staked the money for the bail is another Stanford law professor. They didn't actually stake like, money, as I understand it. Or they, whatever. Uh, they put their, their house up or Yeah, they put whatever. some they put sort of – yeah, they put something up that wasn't even near 250 million dollars so there was there was I a was lot wondering of how they did that because um that's an impossible hurdle to jump through yeah right? so there was a lot of bs surrounding that that number and yeah. exactly how it got yeah they can posted. like come up with uh, a formula where you put a tiny amount down and then the rest is like a personal guarantee but uh it's another people are speculating that it's another epstein kind of a situation that bankman freed uh was not only running crypto but apparently he was a facilitator for money that was flowing from the U.S. to Ukraine, and there was also speculation that he may have been uh, sort of laundering money for secret ops of the U.S., and he may know a lot of things, and it would just be interesting to uh, see if he gets uh, virtually no sentence. Well, you I mean, if that was Somebody true, like, if that like was true they did, wouldn't I have mean, gone after him. So in related news, the SEC, according to CNBC in an article that came out last week that I've been holding on to here, they voted four to one to propose sweeping changes to federal regulations that would expand custody rules to include assets like crypto and require companies to gain or maintain registration with the SEC in order to hold those customer assets. The proposed amendments to federal custody rules. So this would be, hold on. It's creating regulation for uh, non-custodial wallets, essentially? Uh, No, this would be for people who have custody over crypto assets. So this would be like exchanges, for instance? Yeah, non-custodial wallets, basically. Oh, sorry. Yeah, non-custodial. No, these would be custodial wallets. These would be... uh, Okay, yes. These would be where the exchange has your crypto. They have your, your keys, basically. Uh, so the proposed amendments would st- would expand the scope to include any client assets under the custody of an investment advisor. Current federal regulations only include assets like funds or securities and require investment advisors like Fidelity or Merrill Lynch to hold those assets with a federal or state chartered uh, bank with a few highly specific exemptions. It would be the SEC's most overt effort to rein in even regulated crypto exchanges that have substantial institutional custody programs serving high net worth individuals and entities which custody investor assets like hedge funds or retirement investment managers. The move poses a fresh threat to crypto exchange custody programs as other federal regulators actively discourage custodians like banks from holding customer crypto assets. The amendments also come as the SEC aggressively is accelerating enforcement attempts. While the amendment doesn't specify... I mean, I'm sort of fine with this. If the U.S. government wants to you know, choke out all the custodial wallets and make it where everyone has to keep their own Bitcoin, that's a, that's a good thing in my opinion. But this opinion. would kill exchanges uh, if they don't register with the SEC, so I'm okay, not yeah, fine that, with it. Yeah, that's bad. 
while the amendment doesn't specify crypto companies, Gensler said in a separate statement that, quote, though some crypto trading and lending platforms may claim to custody investors' crypto, that does not mean they are qualified custodians. Well, they don't need to be a custodian to hold it. That's the definition of a custodian. Yeah. If someone is holding... But they don't have to be, like, qualified to do that. They just have to be... That's what they're saying, is now they will have to be. That's the proposal that they're proposing Yeah, that's the insane part, though. And, I mean, and furthermore, who is the SEC to, to determine who is and isn't a good custodian of cryptocurrency? They are the ones who will make the changes in the regulations to say, we are now in charge of this. That's what they're saying here. They're basically saying is that cryptocurrency exchanges would become, would need to become registered with the SEC. And that knows, and that would mean God knows what kind of compliance, new rules, new regulations, new costs that would be imposed upon these cryptocurrency exchanges to just simply allow you to buy some damn Bitcoin. Yeah, all the more reason that non-KYC options for acquiring cryptocurrency are so important. And basically don't exist. They're, they're being, their life is being choked out of them, certainly. Under the new rules, in order to custody any client asset, including and specifically cryptocurrency, an institution would have to hold the charters or qualify as a registered broker-dealer, futures commission merchant, or be a certain kind of trust or foreign financial institution. So whatever the hell all that means, these are different yeah. legal legalese terminology, legalese financial terminology that the SEC, these different categories. None of which means anything to me. I don't know what a qualified trust is or whatever. A broker dealer, a futures commission merchant, or a trust or foreign financial institution. The SEC said the proposal. It has to be, if it's one of our buddies, basically. They, they have to be one of our buddies is what I heard. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.